and welcome to the Friendly Rant Podcast. This is season two, episode two. I am here with a good friend of mine, future Grammy award-winning artist, Brogan Gaskell, the legend himself. Brogan, how are you, bro? I'm doing well, man. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, dude. So yeah, just for total transparency. So Brogan and I went to seminary together, never had a formal conversation no. <laughs> and um and then we got lunch today we got some pho you ever have you like you like pho though right it was great yeah it was really really good yeah shout out to for your choice in spartanburg they're not a spot they're not a sponsor yet so okay. Maybe, okay. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe in the Get future absolutely um brogan you're a musician where's some of your music at bro yeah so you can find it on uh spotify apple music other streaming sites absolutely. youtube how many albums do you have out right now uh there are three altogether. yeah okay. three albums your last yeah. one was 2019 was Elijah, correct? So we had, um, man, the last couple of years have been crazy. I've been trying to keep it straight in my head. So there was actually more albums out even just a year ago because I took some music down. Mm-hmm. And so first album came out in 2018, okay. 2020, uh, second album and the third album came out this year. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. What was the name of this, this last one? I just listened to it. It's called uh, Prelude. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's what it was. Prelude. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that. So on that song though, so excuse me, on that album, you have some very incredible songs. I've talked to you a lot about what your inspirations were. So how did you get into music, man? Yeah. Um, I think my dad's side of the family, especially has a tendency of whenever they get together with extended cousins and stuff like that, yeah. uh, people would pass around a guitar and, and play and, uh, I, I grew up, I learned the drums first and that's just noisy. Uh, <laughs> and it's not super helpful, especially when you don't have great rhythm at first. Um, but then I found myself seeing that the guitar had a particular type of impact and it's, uh, yeah, it's mobility. Okay. And, uh, and, and I wanted to learn that really, really badly. And so, um, I learned piano before that, but still you can't really roll in a grand piano or, uh, an upright. And so the guitar, uh, came in about, uh, yeah, I guess the, at the end of high school. And that's when things in terms of songwriting changed. And, and that was a catalyst for a lot of, a lot when of did songs. you, when did you decide like to start writing songs? Was it, did you like have a natural inclination for like poetry or like writing? And then it was like, it became songwriting or like, how does that happen? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, we talked a little bit about this at lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're saying you're a verbal processor, definitely a verbal processor myself. And I don't remember this really, but apparently after my grandmother died on my, my dad's side, I wrote a song about it and, uh, I quote unquote performed it, Mm. uh, in front of people. And, um, so that was, I guess my first attempt at a song. How old were you? It's four years old. Wow. Uh, and (laughs) it was probably terrible. I didn't write it down or anything (laughs) like that. Uh, we don't have any recording of it, which is probably good. Uh, but then it was in middle school where I started to write out um, more, and then high school is is when it um, really, really started to become something I enjoyed. So poetry is uh, is a uh, is a medium that I've I've enjoyed a lot. Not so much abstract poetry, um, but rhyme schemes and, right. and meter and and things like that. The aspects of it have really intrigued Does me. Does it for start a while. off like most high schoolers like love? <laughs> oh romance. yeah, yeah, absolutely. for sure. Oh, so many. So many bad love songs. I still have some <laughs> in our piano bench at home, and I don't ever want to. Now that you're uh, thinking about it, you want to go throw it away. Probably, uh, I right? do. I really do. <clears throat> so totally, like you had a lot of bad love songs in high school. I totally yeah. get that. I think we all went through that phase where we were like, oh, that girl likes music and poetry. So I'm going to exactly. that. But for you, it stuck. You were like, <laughs> what was it that made you fall in love with songwriting? 
was it the, like a cathartic, like cleansing, yeah. like the expression of emotion or what was it? For sure. Um, so it's, it's interesting because we all have an emotional life, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, whether we're aware of it or not. And, and just thinking about, okay, how do I exercise bad emotions from myself? What safe places to do that? And then you start to make through expressing it and actually having a finished product, some type of canon of your emotions. Mm. Um, so you canonize them. And, uh, sometimes you don't want to looking back, you're like, I wish I don't have this uh, embodiment or manifestation of a particular emotions. But a lot of the times it proves to be really helpful. So even the songs that you were like, that was really like hard to write, or maybe you're like, Hmm, that's just a weird area. You still hold on to those. Do you ever go back yeah. and play those sometimes? So I, I think it's, it's just a, a reminder of at times you have to just get out a really bad song so you yeah. can write another song, you, you know, um, I've heard it compared the great prophet Ed Sheeran uh, <laughs> said something like songwriting is if you go to an old faucet, you turn it on, all that comes out is, is dirt uh, for a while. And then eventually it gets clear, but then every so often you still get dirt out of an old faucet. Mm. And so just realizing that those old songs can be come a little more fond uh, and yeah. you, you grow in fondness towards them and realizing I was trying to get on the way to something else. And this was part of the process. A hundred percent. Do you talking about Ed Sheeran real quick? Yeah. What's his best album? Oh, I don't, I don't know. So I'm not, I, I hope this doesn't turn people off. Please keep listening. If, if you're a huge Ed Sheeran <laughs> fan, I'm not the biggest Ed Sheeran fan, but I he do, steals music and this sounds very <laughs> hipstery, but I enjoy his, his first album, uh, his early yeah, stuff. Yeah. No, you did or did not? I did. I you did. did. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I talk about this, that his greatest album is divide. Oh, you know, wow. Okay. Castle on the hill. Oh, Racer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Barcelona, like all of those great hits. And then the last couple of ones, I feel like he's just been chasing it. Yeah. He's been chasing like John Mayer, John Mayer uh, continuum, right? Yeah, that might uh, be his best album. Peak for sure. Yeah. And he's been chasing that ever since. Yeah. Like, and we all love John Mayer. He has like a couple great hits, but like every song on continuum, oh, incredible. which by the way is my favorite complete album. Really? Like, okay. I can listen to continuum all the way through. Yeah. You know? So yeah, man, I totally, I totally get that when it comes to like the old faucet, the dirt comes out. It's actually really incredible. I've never thought of it that way before. So you get, you're in high school, you're writing these love songs. When do you start to see that transformation take place into more, well, how would you classify your music now? Like, what would you call yeah, it? Yeah, That's a great question. I've actually had a hard time figuring out how to classify it in terms of content. I yeah. think there's some more broad genres that would fall under, um, singer songwriter indie, just because by default I'm independent artist, <laughs> And so I guess I can fall in there. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the times, and and this even goes back to to some of Christ's teaching, this idea of you know the the correlation between your heart and and your treasure, what you treasure, what you prioritize. And so, I tend to just write about things that I, I prioritize, and mm. so or things that I'm focusing on, or things that um, are are right in front of me, or things that I'm reflecting on in retrospect, and so. Yeah, I think it, it varies. It, it turn, turns tends to be uh, bent towards uh, that type of love, but also a supernatural divine love, and uh, and seeing how that plays out. Because I thought about this, and I don't know if this is true, so this could be totally off. But most songs are about love, either the presence or lack of it, mm. um, you know, uh, and in some form or fashion. Yeah, I was gonna say like I feel like most pop songs are all like. <laughs> She left me. Like, you know, like, and so like, yeah. I feel like there's such a, I did notice that like, if you go to your normal pop 
radio song. Yeah. They're always about like the girl or the guy mm-hmm. that got away or I still love you. And it's just like, there's this natural craving for love yeah. in our life. And I think that as a Christian, we look at that and we say, well, yeah, like there is a natural craving for love in our life because mm-hmm. we're creatures of, of worship. Yes, you know, we absolutely. worship things because either we think we're receiving some sort of significance or security from those things. And so when we worship God, we're worshiping him because he is love, right? Mm-hmm. Love is not God, but God is love. Yeah. And he pours like so much love out to us mm-hmm. and everything. And so when you, Kind of qualify that for me. So, like, you're saying, like, most songs are about love or the lack of. What do you see is, like, in your music? In your music, what, what kind of, are you reaching out for divine love? Or do mm. you think it's a mixture of both? Like, are you looking for God's love? Or do you think you're looking for relational love? Like, what do you think? How does that manifest? Yeah, that's a cool, good question. I, so, um, thinking about sin and, and, it's, and how it manifests, um, I can sometimes frame it of, like, a a mixed priority in, in what I love and who I love. And so that leads to some serious consequences, mm. um, who I worship, who I prioritize. And then, um, yeah, by God's grace, uh, not by any merit or work of realizing that he's still patient and there and pulls me back. A lot of songs will come out of that dissonance. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I tended, uh, especially in the past to, to write more about relational heartache, uh, because I'm, I've, been I, I'm a, I think I'm bent towards romanticism. Are you a hopeless I, romantic? I, I maybe. I, <laughs> ho- hopefully not not so hopeless as I was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely something that has been pervasive and is a shadow. I think what you, what we're talking about even is just the shadow of why do we feel so deeply and why are we searching for love all the while love is is present and, and available to us in Christ. You know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And so I think that's one of the things that when, you know, when we look at the deeper, more, and I don't want to sound super spiritual, but metaphysical mm-hmm. aspects, you know, this spiritual nature of who we are as people, it's so evident that we are like, when we look at the virtues, you know, mm-hmm. or like we would call them the fruits of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm-hmm. and gentleness, and self-control. These are all things that even the Stoics and Greece, mm-hmm. like the Homers and Aristotles and Plato's that they saw mm. to be good. And yeah. you and I talked about this over lunch. We were like, they knew of God. Mm. Like it's very yeah. evident that they knew of the virtues, which we would say God embodies those virtues. He is those virtues, right? Mm. He is, he doesn't, they're not just virtuous because he says so. No, he is the right. virtue. He right. is the ideal. And you know, that's who we see in the person of Jesus. Mm. And so I think that's something we're always so longing for. Like we listen to sad songs <laughs> Because either we, we want to feel sad for whatever reason. Right. And I'm one of those guys where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm very emotional. You know, yeah. you ask my wife, man, I like, <laughs> I love emotion. I want to figure them out. Like yeah. the, I'm obsessed with the question why, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's these songs that strike a chord with us and, you know, birds sing, animals make noises. Yeah. They sing songs, but they're not singing songs like ours. Right. You know, we're being contemplative about these deeper things that we're trying to wrestle with. And I think they manifest themselves in music Mm. along with literature, but I would say music, I think because music's never been as accessible as it is now. Mm. Yeah. And you know, artists like you, you're an independent artist. There's a whole genre for that. Mm -hmm. You know, there were people that wrote all the time in, in antiquity, but artists like yourself, man, have a wider outreach than, than they've ever had in history. And so I think, we're in such a, my wife, or my wife, excuse me, my mother, those are completely two different people. <laughs> Good distinction. Yeah. My mom, we were in Yellowstone and we were listening to, um, 
uh, I need a forest fire by, um, I'm totally forgetting his name. Uh, it's okay. Anyway, I'm listening to, we were listening to this song and my mom was like, why is all of your music so depressing? Mm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. your generation's music so sad. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, mom, you grew up in the eighties, right? And she said, yeah. I said, did y'all have social media? She said, no. And I said, you were not aware of all the atrocities <laughs> going on in the Man. world. I was like, we're so emotional now because mm-hmm. we're like so much more aware. Hey y'all dropping into this episode to tell you about pressing in. Are you looking to deepen your understanding of God? Do you not know where to start? Look no further than my friend Stephen Vaughn. Stephen Vaughn is the author of Pressing In. Pressing In is simply a place where research, real life, and the Christian worldview coexist. Stephen Vaughn aims to write articles that spur on thought around a vast variety of ideas and topics. His desire is to be inclusive, meaning whether you are pursuing post-grad studies or you have a sixth grade education, his goal is to give everyone something to read and think about. Ultimately, his hope is to lead us in breaking out of our Christian cliches into a world of knowledge and thought that is available to all of us. You can check out his weekly blogs at pressing.in.wordpress.com. That's P-R-E-S-S-I-N-G-D-O-T-I-N.W-O-R-D-P-R-E-S-S.com. Now, back to the episode. I say all that to say, like, when you kind of look at your inspiration, Mm -hmm. who inspires you to write? Yeah, that's such good points, man. I, I appreciate you bringing those up. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned earlier, even over our conversation at lunch, there's a lot that happens subconsciously when you're writing. Uh, and, and sometimes you, you're made aware of it, uh, whether that be a certain chord you're playing or chord progression or lyric that comes out. Um, but yeah, so people people like the Beatles and Bruce Springsteen are always going to be there in my psyche, whether I wanted them to be or not. Thankfully, I, I love both of those artists, so I'm, I'm thankful yeah. that they have have some influence there. But I remember uh, first being exposed to not just contemporary Christian music or more congregational worship, but this other vein uh, of music. In Josh Garrels, mm. primarily, he was kind of a gateway into this whole other, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, whole other genre that I think him and people, people like him and John Mark McMillan uh, and others, there's, there's plenty of others I'm sure we're just not aware of even have paved the way for saying there's space for this and mm. let's lean into this, uh, with almost this genre of spiritual songs, you know, um, and, and wrestling and, um, and songs that can be more contemplative and not even necessarily congregational. And yeah. that's been something that I've even wrestled with of like, Lord, why, why am I writing songs that I, but most of them are not going to be sung within your church or within the walls of a sanctuary and within the body of, of Christ. And he's been faithful to provide a couple of songs that have been conducive for that. But a lot of them, the vast majority of them are not like that. And so I've wrestled and, I think looking at artists like the Josh Carrolls and uh, the Strons and the John Mark McMillan and uh, and many others um, have been, uh, yeah, brought some sanity in the midst of that wrestling. <laughs> I like how you put that. Yeah, because yeah. like, the beautiful thing we love about music is that it is, it's relational. Mm-hmm. You hear somebody going through something specific mm-hmm. and you say, okay, they're dealing with this, they're experiencing this, so I don't feel like I'm alone, if you will. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I agree, like, 
there needs to be a space for more. I heard someone call it obscure hmm. worship music one time, and okay. I didn't like that because like God's not obscure; He's yeah. very de- <laughs> like His word is pretty clear. Right. But like the obscure, I guess spiritual songs is probably a good way to put it because I mean it is biblical. Like you know, Paul says, "Sing to each other spiritual <laughs> songs, hymns, all that stuff." And so, I think that there's there's definitely a lack of a space hmm. for spiritual songs, like dealing with the the more intense emotions that maybe in congregational worship there's not really space mm. for. So do you think that when you write music, are you writing it for yourself or are you writing it for people to connect with your emotions? Or are you writing it like com- in complete, not, I don't want to say complete disregard. That sounds like kind of mean, but like, are you writing it just for yourself? Yeah. Or how are you writing? What What kind of inspires that? Yeah. So I think over time there's been a, a couple of guidelines in, in terms of what I share. So there'll be certain songs that I write after a particular situation or circumstance that I know that if I were to release that right then or share that quickly, that maybe that'd be a stumbling block for a person who was involved in that circumstance or that, that, that trial. And so there's almost like some buffer time that I've tried to, to fit in. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a strange thing because especially through streaming, sites and and sadly i haven't been playing out as much because of covid and some other circumstances and you're sharing something so personal but it's disembodied mm. you know uh and it's just uh especially because the single kind of rules right now you right. know people don't listen to albums all the way through and i'm i'm i'm, I'm not going to be above that i love <laughs> i love listening to, to to singles but there's something about ripping certain songs out of context that yeah. can, that can kind of deprive a song or, or a larger work. And so I think, yeah. Um, I think in the beginning there was this great desire of, Oh, I want to get this out with some type of idealism of, ah, a lot of people are going to listen to this, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it's changed over time. Like there's a set of songs now that I'm really thrilled about because I feel like, by God's grace, they might help people. Mm. Um, and that's, I, I don't always feel that sometimes it's more of a cathartic experience. And I hope, I hope the Lord can redeem any motivations or intentions that aren't pure or fleshly, but <laughs> at the same time, yeah, there's, there's been moments of, of like, this is, this is transformed more into a ministry. And yeah. so I'm trying to think more about what others need and, and what songs may help them. I think about my, I think my biggest question for musicians is, is when you write a breakup song, (laughs) do you just post it and you're like, this person's going to know who this is about. And you're just like, whatever. Or like, how does that, or do you try to make the, do you make that obscure enough? Cause I mean, there's a space for Christian breakup songs, if you will, like, you know, there's music and I don't want to keep putting the label of Christian break, like there's breakup songs and you just happen to be a Christian. But like, and the reason why I say that is because there's a definite distinction of like, you know, when you write something as a Christian, it's naturally going to come through a Christian mm-hmm. worldview, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I don't think the distinction needs to be made, but when you write a breakup song is the obscurity, like, do you, <laughs> do you try to be obscure? Do you have any breakup songs? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you try a, to be obscure a handful of or do you just not post the ones that are very accurate? Like, right. Susie, I hate you. Like, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that'd be, <laughs> um, that'd be bad. Uh, yeah. So I try never to use any names right. of people. Uh, there's a lot of pseudonyms. There's a lot of pseudonyms. Um, and there's not a, a ton of, of breakup songs. But yeah, that, that's that's actually, as I was thinking about it and talking about it, uh, about that buffer time. Yeah. Sometimes I realize 
this would not be good. Uh, this would not be helpful for that person. I'm not going to. This will not be cathartic for both yeah, of us. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it's funny how it happens. So I've, I've actually had conversations with people sometimes. Um, if we could get to a good point to say, um, I want to I want to share this, for hoping that it could connect with other people and not just uh, use the experience as a means to an end of, of producing a song. I, I want it to bring comfort or have some type of empathy because, because certain subjects like that yeah. within the Christian world aren't written on yeah, all yeah. the time. And so how can we kind of fill that gap, but do it healthily and not put a stumbling block, but it is funny how people receive a, a song. So there is a song uh, that I wrote called Ida Jane and it was, about a, a person who I had a lot of experience at this library and the library was named after Ida Jane Dacus. It was Dacus library at Winthrop. And so I didn't want to include the person's name in mm-hmm. there. So I, I used that as a pseudonym I like that. and the library almost became personified, but it's so funny how different people <laughs> receive that. I have a, I have a good brother. I, I love him. I, I won't mention his name. Uh, I don't think he would care, <laughs> but he was talking to me about that song and he said, is this song about the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and I was like, how did you get that out of this song? Which I loved. It was great that he was trying yeah. to listen to it through that lens, but it, it, it wasn't. It was just a... Uh, do, you yeah. get, do you get more joy when somebody's like telling you, is this song about this? Do you get more joy out of their interpretation or if they guess it right? I Maybe it's the worst, but I, I, I love if not revealing... Yeah. certain things about songs you just say like yeah you're right like yeah like i'll like think that think that if you yeah. want to that's, if cool. that's what makes you happy yeah and that's yeah there is a tension there because there's going to be a way that people relate to it and then apply it to their lives yeah um to where if you were to explain and it's not matching that mm. it could maybe take away or undermine how they right. applied it and so i try not to share too much yeah know? that's what i've noticed talking with artists is that they actually want the person the feeling that is connected with the song that they're experiencing, they want that to be the meaning because mm-hmm. that's what drew them to that experience. And yeah. so, yeah, man. So I, I, t- I told you over lunch and I'm bringing this back up. is like, my mind is not artistic. Like I do <laughs> not think like non-linearly, like, you know what I mean? Like just very yeah. much like in, in that, where is that right brain? I think that's right brain, right? Maybe. There's left brain. I think left brain is, creative anyways anyways, whatever so you know we're talking about the beatles and you know that get back and i was Mm. telling you like you know when we look at like these guys like how they like work and everything like Mm -hmm. you know they make spaces their own and they operate what's your process look like in writing music like what are you uh all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write for four hours. Or are you, uh, you know, I have to watch a movie and something has mm. to strike me. Do mm. you have to experience something to write a song? Yeah, that's a great question, man. So it's definitely changed. And, uh, yeah, it's it's very, very malleable um, depending on the experience of the song. So the, that song, Ida Jane, I got home uh, one night from college and was was struggling and it's like i just i I need to get this whole thing out so i wrote it in that night and i I think the final form was essentially that there's some arrangement things that change but but then there's other songs where it's been four years of putting notes in my phone or having a Mm -hmm. melody or a chord progression where nothing is coming out uh and and then other times uh song oh to know it came out when I was listening to a sermon and I just started and I feel bad what I was typing out was not related to the sermon, but it, <laughs> it put me in a space of thinking about 
by the Lord and, and the spiritual reality yeah. um, that we're in. And, and so that came out. Um, I will say one big thing that's changed over the years is the editing process. Mm-hmm. And I hope this is a sign of growth. <laughs> we'll see because I think there is a, a pride or an arrogance of, I don't need to change this. You know, it's fine with where it's at, you know? Um, and now I think I'm a lot more comfortable than I ever have with looking at a product and saying, Oh, I think this is done. Or somebody speaking into it and saying, no, actually, what if we did this differently? Uh, and I think that's really improved. Um, yeah. Improved songs a lot. I don't do a lot of co-writing, but whenever I'm sharing it with people and they give feedback, it's very, very helpful. Absolutely. So when you say editing, are you meaning like, okay, you write this verse and then you go back and you check it out and you're like, maybe this, now that it's been like maybe a month, my Mm. feelings towards this are different. Maybe I'll, I'll change that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a time, especially in college when I was first sharing songs, I think I was comfortable with the idea of quantity over quality Mm. because I was, I just wanted to get all of it out. I wanted to, I wanted to share it. Um, and I think if I would have sat on songs longer, and, and let them stew a little bit more. There would have been changes in lyrics and a verse, or what if we changed up the melody to add some variance here or there? Um, and that that's happened more as I've tried to be a little bit more patient and pacing and saying, how can I present the most excellent offering to the Lord? Not just a ton of offerings to the mm. Lord, you know? So when you say like, okay, I'm having this experience. I need to write this. Is it, does it just kind of flow or is there kind of like a, like a train starting? Like, it's kind of like chunk, chunk, <laughs> chunk, chunk, you know, like it's kind of getting the ball rolling or is it kind of like a dam? Like there's a crack mm, and you're like, I need wow. to write about this. And then once you finally like kind of take the hammer to the crack and it's yeah. and like the water just comes like, what is that experience mm. like? Being, being an idealist and a romantic, I think for a long time I was thinking, all right, it just needs to come to me. If it doesn't come to me, then I'm giving up on the writing session, mm. uh, which is a really bad way to write songs, honestly, because there is as, as much as you want to idealize it and that there is this connection with your feelings. And sometimes it comes out very organically. There's work to be done. And so I've found that it is more like a dam. Um, and it's amazing if you get one line, how that will just open up. And then sometimes the floodgates open and, and then the rest of a stanza, the rest of a bridge will come. And you're like, wow, that one line, that one melody did it for me. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm trying to, I guess this is my confession. This is a <laughs> session of, of therapy, I guess, but, uh, I've, I've trying to be more patient, uh, in songwriting in the process. There. Yeah. So you said your family was really connected in, in songwriting and everything. Did you, how does your family affect and maybe influence your songwriting? Yeah. Um, so it was interesting, even, after, yeah, this was after I started getting interested in poetry and, and things, things like that. I had a, I discovered, um, a video and I knew of him, but seeing the video was, was cool of, a um, a relative on my dad's side. Um, Charlie is his name. He was part of the crying shames, um, in the sixties and actually knew some of the Beatles cause he grew up in Liverpool and he had a, a number one song, uh, in England in the sixties called please stay. And it ended up on the place beyond the pines, a Ryan Gosling movie. And they played the whole song. And, wow. uh, that was, that was cool. And almost gave some type of motivation to say, I, I want to continue that, that legacy. In some who ways. I am. Yeah. <laughs> or is this in my blood? Is this actually in my blood? Uh, 
I will never have a number one song in England <laughs> by any means, uh, not even close, but to see that and, and see that passion for music, even if it not be specific songwriting abilities within, uh, my family has been, has been really helpful. And just, I mean, my, my mother and my, my father have always been incredibly supportive mm. of, of each endeavor within music and so encouraging because it's really easy to get discouraged, uh, within songwriting yeah. and, I remember playing gigs at a coffee shop in town where I decided to play for four hours, which was a really bad idea for your vocal <laughs> cords. I just wanted to play really badly. And they would show up and stay for the whole set. Mm. And sometimes it would be just them. And I just, looking back on that, the humility and the care that they shared showed to me in, in, in that time is really formative in the end. So I love you, mom. Love you, dad, family. Mama, all of you guys have been awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. So when you say like, you know, you went out and you played these gigs. Have you ever decided? Now, personally, I'm a big fan of your music. Like, I think it's awesome. Have you ever tried to do a couple shows, maybe consider touring? Like, so your vocation now is you're a worship pastor at Pioneer Church in Rock Hill, right? Yeah, so the music there, yeah. So, you know, is, do you ever consider, like, you know, maybe in the future I could go on tour? Have you ever tried to do anything? Have you ever had any offers? Like, what's, what's the word? <laughs> yeah. Um, before I go forward, I just want to say also my sister has been amazing in that. And I want to make sure I specifically mentioned because Delaney has been a listening ear and very helpful. She would be oftentimes the person I would show an album to first. And it's awesome. Um, but, but yeah, um, the, I've wanted to, man, I really wanted to have more consistent, um, times of, of being able to, to share music live. Um, the formality of it is not something I've, I've figured out yet. So I've been, I've played coffee shops, um, played smaller gigs. Um, and that's really special. I don't think I would ever want to do any big venue or larger crowd, um, type of setup because the music lends itself to some type of intimacy. Mm. Um, but it, it, I want to, I want to go places so badly, uh, in some ways, but I also know that the, the responsibilities I have here is something that I really cherish and, and, and love getting to care for the people of pioneer church. And, uh, maybe, maybe there's room for those two things, not to be mutually exclusive. I just haven't figured right. it out yet. Yeah, absolutely, man. So my favorite song on your album, Prelude is the one with the campfire. Correct? Yeah. 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 So Prelude is bones. Yes. So before you're going to play it for us today, but before yeah. you play it, tell me about that song. What? So I don't want to tell you what I think the song is about. <laughs> I want to hear what what you think well not what you think what the song yeah. what you wrote it about what's the context of this song yeah for sure i'd love to hear your thoughts uh interpretation of, if you be one well the first line strikes me so powerfully yeah um and then later uh, i believe it's you know what we believe is what we perceive that it must be seen something wrong that that one hits me because the, the way i, I kind of listen to it as a confession mm -hmm. it can like you know in the first line kind of opens up to me, as I understand it, is a confession to somebody that like, hey, I'm not what I'm all cracked mm -hmm. up to what I'm supposed to be. But there's this wrestling mm -hmm. with, you know, whether it's about you or whomever the song's about, there's this wrestling with, I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but the results I'm, I'm getting are not the right <laughs> thing. Is that because I'm a hypocrite? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's this kind of like, there's this wrestling in it. And so the reason why I feel like it is drawn so much to me is because I often think about Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 12, where he's like, you know, I've asked the Lord three times mm -hmm. for the stone to be removed from my side. And the Lord's not, but he says, my grace is sufficient to you because in your weakness, my strength is mm -hmm. made perfect. And so mm -hmm. that song means a lot to me because 
when I listen to it, I, I see myself in the sense that I never try to treat myself mm-hmm. as someone that's holier than thou mm-hmm. or try to treat myself as someone above or like a Pharisee by any means. Yeah. I am not self-righteous at all. And I'll be the first to tell you all of my mistakes. So when I hear that, when I hear the, hello, I'm a hypocrite. I'm just a little bit scared that you might not notice that. Yeah. When I hear that, I'm like, that's how I treat people. Like mm-hmm. I come out the doors like, hey man, I am jacked up, <laughs> you yeah, know, and I want yeah. people to know. So for me, it's kind of been this this song that I've listened to in the mornings when I make coffee a mm. lot, you know, <laughs> not kissing your butt or anything. Yeah, <laughs> I really dig it. And so awesome. I've been listening to it just because it kind of is a posture for me to like walk in this mm. sense of wrestling with the flesh and with, with the spirit, you know, sheesh, that's, that's really encouraging. Um, yeah, we all want to be the hero in our flesh, right. Mm. You know, and I'm trying my hardest within the music to, to, paint the opposite right (laughs) um and that's something that even just talking with a friend this is months back maybe even a year ago of producing music that confesses my weakness even going off of that paradigm from second corinthians 12 like because in that weakness god's power is manifested in a different way and in a more potent way in a lot of ways so so yeah i've tried to lean into that and i think the song was that I, i wrote it in the summer of uh, I think 2016 and, uh, the summer can, uh, evoke <laughs> that time of, the, of year, yeah. um, feelings of, of romance and, uh, wonderlust, whatever it might be. And I think honestly, some of the idea came from, especially the last verse is the Oh Hellos have a song called like the dawn. And it's from the perspective of Adam seeing Eve for the first time, mm. um, really beautiful song. And I've always really admired that type of love in the covenant of marriage because I've been so much inside my head as an idealist to see people do it (laughs) instead Mm. of think about it and and express it is amazing. To see that continuity um, is is pretty incredible. And so this was a, a song that I wrote to to confess. You're right. I think it is a song confession of like, man, I'm really messed up and I'm not going to do this well. Um, but I want to love you mm. and draw on this love that can carry me through my weaknesses and my, my brokenness to care for you better. You know? I love that. Yeah. You're going to perform it for us, bro? I'll, I'll try. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Collingwood Company, a brand that was started by two incredible people I know and love, Chad and Avery Cudd. They specialize in personalized gifts through engraving wood, slate, or acrylic materials. They make everything from custom hats to custom chains. Something they started as a hobby has now become a way for the Cuds to fundraise for their adoption. You can get quality items while also helping them fundraise for the adoption costs. You can check them out on Instagram or Facebook at CollingwoodCo underscore SC. That's at C-O-L-L-I-N-G-W-O-O-D-C-O underscore SC. Now, enjoy the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bones by Brogan Gaskell. Well, hello, I'm a hypocrite. I am just a little bit scared that you won't notice that. When lies become truth and hearts become bruised, it's hard to tell fiction from fact. What we believe is what we perceive Then I must be seeing something wrong 
Has my heart gone astray? Do I practice what I say? I want this mask to look good and strong. Oh, I'm not a good soul, just a man with a hole that longs and aches to be filled. But I know a good man who loves and who can keep this fickle heart, keep this fickle heart still. They say it's all a mistake Why we're all here today We're just atoms walking along But you can't tell me it's just chance Because when we dance I can feel your soul song And though I love your affection You need to know perfection And that certainly won't come from me May your heart want him most Cause his love overflows And I'll let you down, you see mm-hmm. I wanna love you like he has loved you and me What a love he has shown You're the beat in my chest You're the flesh in my flesh You're the bones of my bones. Man, that is awesome. I love that part though, where you're like, I know a good man. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Not me, right? Yeah. Dude. Not me. <laughs> that, that is so good because I was just there. Our pastor, uh, Church of the Mill, was talking about. We're doing a series on glory. I was trying. We've been in Jeremiah for like two uh, years. Wow. So, no, excuse me, like a year and a half. Like, wow. and we we do breaks. Like, we'll take like we'll break to talk about topical things. And I think it was like a week or two ago we started a series on glory for the Advent season. Hmm. And there was a quote that was talking about what did the man on the cross that that believed in Jesus say when he got to heaven? And it was a quote, and it's very rare. You know, as unfortunate as it is, when you spend time in seminary, some mm-hmm. concepts of God's grace kind of become desensitized to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And the quote was, you know, how did you get, like, did you go to church? And he's like, what's a church? And the guy was <laughs> like, well, you know, did you say a prayer? And he's like, mm-hmm. what's prayer? You know, or like, you know, were you baptized? Like, what's baptized? Mm-hmm. How did you get here? And he says, because the man on the middle cross mm-hmm. said I could come. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I, I sat in church, I just started crying because it was uh. like, the man. So he didn't mm. he didn't even know his name. He's yeah. like, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Mm. And I heard that man and I was like, dude, like this this practice of being dependent upon grace is so necessary in our walk with the mm-hmm. Lord. And like mm-hmm. dude. So that's good. profound. Uh, Alistair Begg, is that what is it? Yes, okay, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Thank you. Yeah, oh, Alistair man. Begg. I got to attribute that I just, to him. No, I just recently heard that. And yeah. Clip and, uh, yeah, it does make you emotional. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I cast man. everything just on that guy. <laughs> you know, and what you said, you know, just talking about how the model of marriage just being shown to you, how like, you know, it, <laughs> Hollywood promotes this idea mm-hmm. of this romantic firework love, yeah. you know, where it's like, if you can be the most intense in love, for an hour and a half, you sell tickets, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, but that's not what true love is. Like true love is enduring. It's patient. It's yeah. kind. It's like exactly what first Corinthians 13 mm. says. And it's like, you experience that in marriage, yeah. you know? And like, that's not encouraged. I don't think enough mm. to people our age is like, bro, like marriage is so incredible, mm. you know? And I know you're not married. Are yeah. you single? Uh, I'm dating someone now. Oh, yes. sorry, ladies. No, 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 no. <laughs> Anyways, no, it, you know, man, it, it, and I'm sure it's probably something you talked about with your with your girlfriend, but it's like there's something so like what I've experienced in marriage 
is just this. There's so many times that she has shown me grace that mm. I don't deserve. And it helps me see Christ so much more clearly. Yeah. You know, like I've even, mm. somebody once said, um, marriage, or excuse me, being single, you can do more for the Lord, but marriage makes you more like the Lord. Mm. You know, it's like sandpaper smoothing down the sharp yeah. edges and do that. Mm. That song is so wow. good, man. I really enjoy that song. That's what do you, what would you say on prelude is your favorite song? Oh man, that's hard. Um, I know it's like choosing a favorite child or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the song Elijah holds a lot of weight. Um, because I can remember the, the song writing process for that one. And it's been a song of hope because sometimes you write songs and you just think, I want to share this with people. But by the time you get done recording it, you're like, okay, I don't want to listen to this song again. You're like, I know that sounds terrible, but you spent so right. much time with it. Um, you don't want to listen to the recording. That's probably a better distinction. The recording itself, you love playing it because it's different when you're playing it live, but the mm -hmm. recording itself, it's like, man. But I think the song Elijah has been one that I've come back to over and over again in times of sorrow or trial. So yeah, I think you, that's probably one. What is it? So is it based off the biblical character of Elijah? Yeah, I, I wish. <laughs> so in, in some sense, it was, I was having a conversation with a friend um, and and he provides some really good insight that I didn't realize the song was about. <laughs> uh, sometimes you do that. You write a song and, mm. and then there's a layer to it that you don't realize is there until later. And somebody else speaks into it or in retrospect, you see it. And I played it for him. I think it was just really right after it was written. And, and the reference comes in the chorus of this idea of, I want to be like Elijah um, with the stallions of mighty flames to, to get away from here. I want to, I want to escape because it was, it was in a season of my dad going through some, some battles with, with cancer and, um, and he, he listened to it and he said, this is, this is so good. And I thought on this a lot, he was saying, but that's the cool thing in Christ. And, and he thought the song was saying this and really I was saying the opposite. And I appreciated him saying this because it reminded me the great thing about Christ is that he offers not an escape, but a refuge. So not, not a, a place to just get away from circumstances, but within the circumstances, mm. uh, a, a place of safety and, yeah. and stability. And so I think that's what the song is, has taken on and it's meeting more and more, and more as I've played it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know you've been through a lot of trials and stuff recently. How has your music really helped you get through these difficult times? Yeah. Um, that's a good question, man. It, it's, I think a, a lot of, life with Christ is, is trying to see things rightly. So not either elevating it to a status where it shouldn't be or undermining it and then not giving glory to the Lord for a good gift. Right. Mm. And so there's been times where I've had tremendous sorrow or struggles. I remember one time in college going to a piano and saying, <laughs> there was like, almost like a contractual agreement of like, all right, I'm going to start playing you and a song's going to come out. And I'm going to feel better. And the, the Lord allowed that moment and that, 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 weeping session at the piano to let me down mm. lovingly to say this can be an aid but this can't be ultimate in finding rest and so i'm trying to see songwriting especially in a season of, of turbulence rightly to see it as a gift and so i've been trying to express that in some of the things i've been working through uh conceptually lately but also knowing that it can't surmount 
the priority of the Lord, you know? Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Like on my own, on my own experience with music, like I've really forced myself to not mm. spend my time in the Bible listening to worship music anymore. And I think yeah. it's because it's like, <clears throat> You almost, well, I don't want to say I idolized worship music, but it was almost mm. like I can't get into the experience of mm. experience the spirit of God without the right worship mm. song. And it's just yeah. like, no, like time out a hundred years ago, people read their Bibles <laughs> and experienced the same this spirit. This is working, right? Yeah, they didn't have Maverick City. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. And so like, I've had to force myself to not listen to music while reading my Bible because mm. I want to encounter the tangible presence of God. And I think sometimes music can contrive that in a sense yeah, where yeah, you're like, yeah. it's okay. So it's like, Oh, I'm feeling something. Well, it's mm. like the spirit's not a feeling. He's yeah, a person. So exactly. it's like, I want to experience the person of Christ, you know, here in his word, mm-hmm. I don't want just the feeling of Christ. Yeah. I want him. And so mm-hmm. it's like, do you think that has, have you ever had to wrestle with maybe music becoming, and has it ever become an idol? And you've had to be like, Oh Lord, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Like, or was that what that with piano experience was about? Or what's that been like? Yeah. And I think especially in terms of leading people in song, uh, um, within a church, uh, at least on the emotional level, uh, you can't like in our own power, we can't do anything, uh, to bring about spiritual awakening. But we can bring about emotional awakening. And so you have to be really careful because you can start to manipulate and you don't want to do that. You want to recognize the value of emotions and see how they can be redeemed and, and point people to the Lord. Um, and there's a fine balance. And I wouldn't even say there's a formula. It's just mostly being wise and trying to lean into the spirit <laughs> there because you don't want to cut uh, a moment short uh, in, in song uh, for the sake of the formality of going on to the next moment in, in service. Yeah. But you also don't want to try to pound people with this emotional heaviness to where it, it squeezes something out that wasn't really supposed to be there, you know? Yeah. You um, said you wanted, you, you considered doing your own podcast on, um, excuse me, on doing, uh, the history of songs or the contextualization of songs. And you even mentioned him. So yeah. when you worship, we, we, do you try to find a good balance between hymns mm. and more contemporary worship? And if so, what's your favorite hymn? Oh, that's <laughs> such a hard question, man. Because I'm a big, I'm a big, I recently became a big hymn guy just because I think like, I love, love, love Maverick City. Mm-hmm. Like their music is so powerful. Yeah. And you know, big word here for the person that hasn't gone to like <laughs> the, the kinesthetic worship, mm-hmm. meaning the more bodily forms of worship, the ones that you would want to, the more airy, if you will, mm-hmm. where it causes you, it's more re- repetitive in chorus, you know, yeah. it causes you to think on the words. But I really enjoyed hymns recently because of how poignant their words mm-hmm. are. Like mm-hmm. there's not wasted space in hymns, <laughs> you know? And I feel like yeah. sometimes I think that more modern worship, like, I love sometimes when we sing, oh, you know, but I feel like sometimes there could be some really good stuff that yeah. we could really say to glorify God in those mm-hmm. moments. And so like, I think a modern hymn that I really love is by Keith and Christian Getty, the Holy Spirit, living breath mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. I love that song. So what, what are some of your favorite, mm-hmm. what's your favorite hymn or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, this might be a weird way to frame it. Okay. And I'm, sorry, not I'm, like weird. I'm sorry if this is a weird way to frame it, but when people have asked me that, I go, what would I want to be played at my funeral? Mm. You know, like, no, it's good. <laughs> and, uh, I want amazing grace on the bagpipes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and that necessarily isn't the same question, but it kind of reveals in my heart. Oh, that's the hymn. Like, I don't really get tired of come now fountain with every blessing. 
I don't really ever get tired of Be Thou My Vision. It's <laughs> um, a good one. And then more recently in my time with uh, Imago Day Church up in Raleigh, I had never heard the, the song, Jesus, I, My Cross Have Taken. Uh, and it's got like seven verses, <laughs> no choruses. And at first you're like, this song is six minutes. What is happening? But then the the way, this the narrative arc within it yeah. of, of a suffering saint being on this pilgrim way, leading to glory is just absolutely beautiful. So I think that's kind of entered into that, that discussion of favorite hymn too. And yeah, I think sometimes we can, we can start to categorize certain, uh, <laughs> certain music, uh, in unhealthy ways. Mm. So just because it's new, it's the, it's good. Yeah. Um, or just because it's old, it needs to be gone. Cause I think there's probably right now the temptation for us as people who are leading in song is to probably miss out on some of the early 2000s music Bro, too. That's my favorite. You know, <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah, and you like kind of pass over it because you're at this weird point where it's not old enough to feel like, right. oh, this is really going to pull people in uh, with kind of some memories, but it's it's not new enough to where it feels novel. So Dude. you kind of just look over it sometimes. Give and, me some. I could sing of your love forever yeah, right now. Let's that's lean into the that a little yes. bit. Or know? here I come to worship. Yeah, bro, that was like the first worship song I was a kid. Where I remember <sighs> saying to my aunt, uh, my aunt Becca, I said, "What was that song?" And she was like, "Which one?" I said, the "Here I come to worship." And she was like, "That's the name of the song." I was like, "Okay." And I like, <laughs> good, good, I was good. like, that song still today, like, man, brings tears to my eyes because yeah, it's just absolutely. like here I come Lord. Like, I just, I just want to be before you. I just want you, you know? And it's yeah. so weird, man. I, I talked to somebody the other day about like how difficult relational Christianity is. Meaning like mm. we're not, especially as Protestants, we're not basing our faith on work, you mm -hmm. know? And it's harder because mm. it takes time. Like you're not mm. going to, you know, it's not plug and play Christianity mm. where you mm. put in the right pieces and you get this blessing and this favor. It's right. like, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. In fact, you could be doing everything right. Reading your Bible, praying, you know, and go through tremendous amount of hurts and suffering yeah. just so he can teach you something more intimate about him. Mm. Like that's hard. And the reason why I feel like it, it a lot of people miss the relation that, uh, getting ahead of myself a lot of people miss this depth that they can have with the lord because we're too focused on ourself mm. rather than the person of christ meaning mm. i go to church and i you know worship him so that i can see, so that i can have this clear conscience yeah. you know that i can walk mm. around and feel good mm -hmm. about myself which is moralistic therapeutic deism that i'm just yeah. having good morals to feel good about myself because god is pleased and it's like no mm. he's not pleased by my good works are still filthy rags mm. it's grace yeah and he wants me to come worship him because he loves me mm -hmm. and he wants me to experience in that love. And that is just what's so rich about mm -hmm. some of that earlier 2000 music <laughs> that I love is that I felt like, okay, so the chords are kind of, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I know I'm, a, I'm at least somewhat savvy in music to know that they're kind of repetitive, yeah. but the words are yeah. so genuine. That's what I've always loved about that. Absolutely. It's, it's ironic because we're going to be doing it here. I am to worship uh, this Sunday at Pioneer. Nice. That's so, the best. <laughs> great, great song. That's yeah. the best. Do you have another song you want to perform for us, bro? Yeah, I'd love to. Let's do it, man. Which one is this? Um, I'll do Elijah. Okay. Do I Elijah. like that. This is Elijah by Brogan Gas. Plan a garden, plan a garden in this wasteland. We'll sing a rivers now, we'll sing a rivers and we'll dance. 
Are you uh you're familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Yes. Yeah. yeah, dude. That song reminds me so much of his work in The Cost of Discipleship. Oh wow. The idea of taking upon, you know, mm. your cross and it's like faith is this idea of like why did you sit in the chair you're sitting in? It's mm. just like because I've always sat in chairs and they held me up. <laughs> and it's just like God's word is telling you, mm. hey, you might have to grit your teeth. You know, you might yeah. have to bear down and pick up your cross, but like I'm still good. Like mm. I'm still faithful. Mm-hmm. That song's so good. What's the context yeah. of that song? What? So you, okay, so you kind of framed it. You said yeah. that it was some trials and stuff. So like, why is that song so powerful to you? Man, yeah, I abbreviated it a little bit because it can get long. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. And I just wanted to keep it keep it a little shorter. But yeah, I I remember my dad had just had surgery up at Duke for his kidney cancer. We were at home. He was having a, a hard night. My mom was very anxious. And it just, there was a weight within the house where yeah. I was really struggling. And I was just like, I got to get out. Um, I, so I went to my backyard and I took my guitar with me. And uh, I think something something like that chord progression started coming. I was just messing around. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, the concept started to to manifest a little bit. And then 
um, which sounds like a very strange thing. I don't know. No. I mean, that's, I guess, the, the Lord hopefully <laughs> crafting some of that. But then, um, yes, yeah, so and the lyrics came. And then I want to say it was within a week where it really came together all together. And um, yeah, the, even just the opening line, I think the opening lines were, were there that night when I was writing it and like planning a garden in the wasteland. Like what, what sums up faith? especially in trials more like you, everything around you looks like nothing is going to produce fruit right now. I'm still going to have faith to not just plant, but plant, plant a garden to, to try to, to try to harvest something later. Um, that is, is fruit from the suffering. Um, and yeah, singing of rivers and we'll dance, you know, <laughs> like if we can't have rivers, if we can't have abundance and, and some type of nourishment for the garden, We'll sing of it. We'll pray for it. Mm. Uh, and we'll dance in the midst of it because, like you said, the Lord's good. And like there is gritting our teeth at times. And we can all say it's a pleasure. It is truly a pleasure to take up our cross, right? Yeah. But crosses are an instrument of torture. Mm. And uh, But it was the Jesus way. We conquer through suffering. We conquer through dying. Yeah. You know, and that that's kind of what the song is about. I love that. The Jesus way. Did you ever read Dr. David Allen Black's The Jesus Paradigm? I didn't. I've heard many so great things about you it. You would love it. So yeah, this idea of the Jesus paradigm is like living in this model of um, obscurity, but like suffering. And I talked about this. This will be on the on previous episode that CrossFit, <laughs> changing subjects real radically, <laughs> CrossFit is teaches you to suffer and to mm. endure through the suffering. And what I mean by that is like when I started doing CrossFit, it was just very grueling. It really just sucked. I don't know why I kept doing it. Maybe it was the endorphins, but <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> yeah. It just, I'm sweating I'm cramping. I'm not happy. <laughs> so, but then afterwards I'd feel great. And I remember when I would suffer, I read this book by R. Kent Hughes called the disciplines of a godly man. Mm. And he said that athletes eat the right food. Athletes do the right workouts all to achieve a goal. He was like, so how much more should we practice disciplines to come after Christ? And it clicked for me. I was like, wait a minute, CrossFit. I'm, I'm like stretching. I've never mm. stretched before. I'm stretching. I'm eating goods also that I can do well for this sport. That's CrossFit. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm not even an athlete. So I was like, why do I care so much? And it's like, well, cause I'm like, I'm running after this thing that I think is virtuous or whatever. And I was like, so why am I not applying this to my faith? And mm. it's like, I need to, because no great things come from a lack of suffering. Like mm. suffering mm. is like diamonds or, or diamonds are created from pressure, like mm. all these concepts. And so dude, your music is so full of a proper understanding of suffering. And yeah. I know you've probably endured a great bit of that, but you're, a, you're, you're, you're putting things in the right perspective. It's just yeah. so, it's so rich to me. And I know the people that I know that know your music, all love your music. And it's mm. like the very reason why I wanted you to come on here and just talk about that, dude, because you, that is just so rich, man. Man, you know? the And there's like, you know, like you said, there's a space in the, in the Josh Garrels's and mm -hmm. the John Mark McMillan's, but bro, there's the Brogan Gaskell's that <laughs> <that's> <laughs> out there. I don't like my name associated with those people. No, that man, wrong. it will be. Because that I mean, that's, that's good. I mean, your music is really good, man. Thank so you. do you got any other uh, projects in the work right now? Yeah. Um, so... There's a concept, and it started during COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was reading. I, well, it was weird. I was I was kind of in the midst of the, the pandemic starting, and I was like, yeah. "What can I read right now in the scriptures that would be helpful to kind of work through this?" And the Lord directed me to Daniel, and Daniel is all about being in exile. 
And I, I felt like we were, in a sense, being exiled from a normal way of living into some type of existence um, that was that was rocking our world a little bit. And even more than that, the idea of First Peter, you know, we're exiles, we're sojourners here, we're, yeah. we're going through this, um, and we're getting towards home. We're citizens of heaven, Philippians 3.20, but... We're not, we're not there yet. Mm. So what do we do with that? And that, that led to a collection of songs that I think might be uh, under the title of like, like Babylon. Um, oh, I like uh, that. Just even going from the, the major pro- prophets, this idea of like, we're in Babylon now, mm. we're in exile now, so what do we do <laughs> while we're not in the, the promised land yet? And so um, a lot of it is feels like a lament um, mm. because... There is that dissonance. We have the new heavens, the new earth coming yeah. right here, right now. Uh, and there's rejoicing in that, but there's also how do we take that dissonance and give some type of expression to it? And I think lament is, is one of the ways that we have. And so there's some songs of lament. Um, another thing is because we're in exile and because we, we don't have perfected bodies yet, we are prone to sin. So there's mm. confession uh, songs on there. Um, and so I'm really hoping to share that at some point next year. Um, that was one of the, and I could be totally wrong <laughs> as it could be very presumptuous and, uh, or naive, but after working on prelude, which is re-recording a lot of older songs and then just having a couple of singles this, this year that I've really enjoyed working on. This is the project that I've, I mentioned earlier to you. I feel like this could actually help people legitimately. Mm. And I hope and pray it does. And so I'd love to see it come to fruition if the Lord would have it in 2022. So I love that you're talking about Babylon because one of my favorite verses is left out of Jeremiah 29, where he's like, plant, he's like, go live in Babylon, make houses, have families. And what you said, I want to plant gardens in the wilderness. That verse is literally in there, like plant gardens, have families, like dwell within the suffering because one day there will be no more suffering. Yeah, Amen. I think that's so good, man. Brogan, where can people find you on, on the socials? Yeah. So I have, uh, (laughs) I think my Instagram handle is Brogan underscore Gaskill. Uh, I've been through three Instagrams because of getting off and getting back on, but I think that's a solid one. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, if you are listening. So yeah, on there, Facebook, um, I have a website. I think it's just Brogan Gaskill, uh, Wow, I should know. BrogenGasco.com <laughs> or BrogenGaskoMusic.com, but I think it's just okay. So You're yeah. on Spotify and Apple. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you guys go check out Brogan Gasco. Brogan, thanks so much for coming on and playing your music, bro. Thank you so much for having me, man. All right, we'll see you all next week.